welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and my co-host is back, Travis McQueen. Today, we got a QA. and a couple quick announcements before we get into the show for our sponsors. The number one sponsor, the biggest sponsor of this podcast, Tailored Life Apparel. It is live. Um, by the time you're hearing this, I don't know what is left, if there's anything left, but if you head over to tailoredlifeapparel.co, you can check out the drop. So if everything is sold out or if there's some items left, grab them, obviously. But you'll be able to see what we released. You'll be able to go check out our About Us page. You'll be able to just kind of scroll through things and just really get a good feel of the philosophy and, and everything behind the brand, as well as uh, opt-in for early access and notifications for our next drop, which I highly recommend because we are not one of those companies that is going to just blast your emails. Truth being told, we don't have time for that right now, and we don't have anybody else that works for us. So you don't have to worry about spam. We are going to literally hit you up when we're getting ready for the next drop, and you will get early access to that. So uh, go sign up at tailoredlifeapparel.co um, and check out what's coming next. I've been noticing that a ton, dude, ever since um, like I got noticing what uh, just being blasted by emails really? from clothing companies. It's like, wow. holy shit. Some of them are just go insane. So uh, have you ever heard of... I would assume not unless you've bought Joe stuff, but um, Vici, I think it is, V-I-C-I. Joe who? Joe's, your wife. Oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> um, the uh, s- Some women listening might know this. It's like a, I don't know, it's a fucking clothing brand. It's a clothing brand, yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know. They just, they make every, I mean, dude, like, it is probably, it's like a, uh, I would say like an H&M in the sense that they make, pants, shirts, socks, yeah, hat, like yeah, everything, yeah. but it's way nicer. It's not like super cheap, um, but it's affordable. But anyway, like I got some stuff for Shannon and I don't want to unsubscribe because I'm waiting for the tracking. <laughs> I don't want to get unsubscribed from that, you know, because yeah. I got to make sure I get to the door before UPS drops off her yeah, Christmas gifts. Yeah, yeah. But dude, it's like every day I'm like, you guys are, I mean, they got way more product than we do, I guess. But my point is listeners, we're not going to be that company. Yeah. That's just insane. That's crazy. Yeah, my my goal is more to be like a like an exclusive. We've kind of talked about it, like on a more exclusive, limited, like underground style. Um, I say that now. Who knows in five years where we'll be? But um, I like the idea of people being able to give us feedback personally right now. You know, because yep. it's small and it's homegrown, and like I like the idea that we're doing limited batches because you can, like, if you're doing batches of thousands and thousands of shirts, and then you're repeating those so like we come out with a new shirt and it's available for good now you know we're always going to keep it on stock you can't get as specific with the quality the stitching the design like how big you want certain things like again i've said it multiple times but the logo on the back being yeah. that big which is like a really cool feature you, you can't really justify that in large ass quantities um truth be told like we we drop the price on stuff because it's our first launch and we just want people wearing it and uh that shirt should be way more expensive from like the standards of profitability inside business. Yeah. But we were like, you know, we want to get this logo on people's backs more than anything. We don't give a shit about profiting right now. Um, so like the first drop was intentionally a little bit lower, but like that alone is like a process. Yeah. You can't do that on large scales. So I like the idea of keeping it pretty, pretty small like that and, and exclusive for now. Um, and then obviously we'll see where it goes and where it I mean, takes us, but the goal is to get bigger. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And get more people wearing it and everything like that. But, um, but yeah, no, I was just getting, I've been every day. It's like another, oh, it's 60% off for Vici. Yeah. Now tomorrow it's 30 and then it's 50. It's like <laughs> last sale. And then it's like, it's a sale that with a different name. Yeah. Your only chance for this one. Yeah. It's like, okay, whatever. Um, it's so funny. Uh, a package came yesterday. Blakely's like, what is it? And I was like, it's a present for mom. Shh. Don't say anything. And she was like, what is it? What is it? And I was like, okay, don't say anything. Oh, my God, Goaty. Well, she she loves this show called Pinkalicious, right? And uh, Pinkalicious, she she keeps saying she wants to get mommy Pinkalicious boots. So I think they're just like pink, like rain boot kind of Yeah. I did not get her those. So I was like, they're Pinkalicious boots. Don't say anything. And then literally within five minutes, Dad, I'm sorry, I told Mom. <laughs> I was like, I know. That's why I didn't tell you what I got. <laughs> They're not those boots. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But That's why I said, oh, Cody. I was like, bad idea. Oh, yeah, no. You got to be careful with all that shit. Dude, like, but man, it's, uh, so, you know, it's, uh, well, I guess everybody calls it a different name. We call it Sparkles, but um, Elf on a Shelf, 
for that. Oh, yeah. Yep. So we do that every year. And so. That's called Sparkles? Well, you have to name the elf on the shelf. Oh. So your elf. Has a name. Blakely named it Sparkles like two years Sparkles ago. Sparkles on the shelf. Yeah, and so, well, it's still Elf on a Shelf, but her name is Sparkles, okay, and so, okay. like, now every year Sparkles comes back and watches you to make sure you're a good girl, oh. and reports back to Santa while you're sleeping, so every morning she wakes up and looks for it, but, dude, I, I shit you not, like, we've, like, Shannon was like, we gotta stop saying that, and I was like, no, I think this is a good thing, but. Saying what? So, it's a debate for parents, I guess. We were like, you're being mean, Sparkles is watching, and she was being a brat, and we're like, hey, you're, you're literally being mean for no reason, like, stop, so we we're telling her she's being mean, you can't do that if you want, you know, Christmas presents, and Santa to be happy, blah, 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 this girl had night terrors about being mean, <laughs> dude, like, this other night, we had to go in her room, because she was tripping out, and then, like, she wouldn't wake up, so sometimes they're in such a deep sleep, and that, and you're trying to wake them up, and yeah. they're still in the dream, dude, it's, like, really sad, and then she, like, kind of wakes up, and there's a mirror, behind Shannon in Blakely's room as she's holding her and I'm standing there and she sees herself being held by Shannon and thinks it's like somebody's taken her and was like pushing her away and then try to grab me and then sees herself in the mirror and then wants to push me away dude it was fucking Whoa. yeah it was that's sad yeah it was really sad I felt really <laughs> bad but then we realized what she was saying and so we brought her in our room and then she woke up in the middle of the night again and she was like I just I don't want to be a mean girl while she's sleeping crying yeah and I'm like damn <laughs> I mean do you want your kid having nightmares about something legitimately scary? Yeah. Or Santa saying you're on the naughty list? Yeah. You know? Because I always say, I'm like, what do, you, what do you have a nightmare about? You don't know things to have nightmares. You're not even aware, you know? But. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So now we're trying to change our language, I guess. Yeah. Not say mean. Yeah. But. Naughty. <laughs> so, yeah, we were talking. Uh, I said we got to hit play. We were talking about the AI stuff. If you're listening to this, you probably have seen that trend right now. Yeah, it's going around like crazy. I'm not doing it. It's funny. I'd be scared. I, it's dude. It's it, all this stuff is the whole Liver King thing's funny too because that's trending right now. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. I mean, he's on steroids. Whoa. Yeah. Really? Like yeah. everybody knew it, and now he like this email leaked, and he's everywhere. Joe Rogan's talking about him. Every social media account, big and small, is trying to like jump on this wavelength. And I'm like sitting here going, you know, this is what he wanted, right? Like, he literally just wanted people to talk about him. It's it's hype. It's propaganda. It brings attention to his name. It's like the whole no publicity is bad publicity. Yeah. He literally, you think this guy is stupid enough to, like, accidentally send an email or leak an email with his steroid cycle? And the fact that he's been, like, it's apparently was sent, like, years ago, and it just now released. Really? You think it just now released after he's been accused of steroids for so long, and now all of a sudden Set it surfaces? Up. Dude's smart. Yeah. I mean, he owned something before he did this. Dude, I heard that. I, I might be wrong, but I, I heard, like, through Twitter or whatever, people were suing him. Like. For what? For eating. <laughs> for, I mean, yeah. Eating organs. Yeah. And deer testicles yeah. and all weird like, kind of stuff. Like, uh, spreading false information. Mm. I don't know if you're going to be able to get him on that. Yeah, though. I don't. The only thing I will say I tell say you is, to go jump off the Empire State Building. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Teach, you know, you're, you're left your own device at the end of the day, but he does own a supplement company. Uh, so the only way there'd be a loophole is if he was making claims that were associated with the supplements. Yeah. Cause I know, I know. he has, it's like ancestral supplements is what the company's called or some shit like wow. that. So I don't know if he has like, like goat liver pills or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But like, you can't, I mean, you can't sue somebody for saying something on Instagram and then you follow it because that's just a, an opinion or. Yeah. I mean, people would be getting sued left and right if that was the case. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, but who knows, man? Yeah. I mean, I I think you're foolish if you thought he wasn't on steroids, to be honest. I mean, look at the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's looking like that natural. No. Um, And uh, and then the other thing is the AI stuff. Oh, yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't think it was going to pop off that much. I did it because I saw a couple people do it. And then, like, my feed is just filled with it now. Yeah. It's like, whoa, shit. That's the first time I jumped on something before... Usually I'm like, it's stupid. And then like later on, I'm like, damn it, I should have done it. <laughs> but I'm, I, I was telling you, like, I think that, and this actually kind of relates to one of our questions about body dysmorphia mm. today, honestly. Um, but like, the, okay, like the question itself, I think was just basically, how do you deal with it? Right. Uh, how to overcome it. Yeah. And it's by, who is it by? Oh. Undercover. Undercover agent. <laughs> Somebody named themselves undercover, which I, I 
I respect if you don't want to be named, which is funny, <laughs> undercover. Yeah. Usually it's like unknown or NA. Unknown, anonymous. Uh, anonymous, there you go. Um, so how do you, what is it, how do you recover from? Yeah, it says uh, body dysmorphia, tips on how to overcome it. Yeah, so like I want to talk on the AI stuff first and then I'll kind of give my tips. But like I guess the first thing would be not doing this kind of shit. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, depending on how you do it, like I think that, Stuff like this is just, I mean, you're, and this is the problem with filters. This is the problem with uh, some reality televisions, the problem with the Kardashians as a whole, like straight up. <laughs> I mean, some of them don't even look like they used to look, you know, oh, and, and, and going on social media and promoting that stuff constantly is what it, it ends up being like, man, to the point where, and this is kind of funny to admit, I literally was like, like I was told, I was like, I think I'm going to get veneers. She's like, why would you get veneers? Your teeth are fine. I was like, I just want super fucking straight and white teeth. <laughs> why? I don't know. She's like, you don't have bad teeth. And I was like, I know. But, like, I want straighter and whiter teeth. And I don't know why. Like, Do I veneers s- make your teeth straight? Do you know what veneers are? Isn't it just like a like a whiting coat? Like, Oh, no. It's a surgery? surgical process. Yeah. Oh. It's a it's fake teeth. <laughs> they wow. fucking grind your teeth into, like, a little pointy nub. And then they put, like, these fake caps in. So the problem with some people get them in their teeth, they end up getting, they're big and then they look like Jim Carrey in the mask, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And then some people, they just look like they have great teeth. So yeah. it depends. I don't know if you, uh, do you know uh, Ronnie from Jersey Shore? I know who that is. Yes. Yeah, and when you get a chance, Google him, look but he got teeth? some bad veneers. Oh, I mean, they're no. good, but they're huge. Dang. And the guy, the, the other guys in Jersey Shore make fun of him a ton. I saw <laughs> this like little clip of them like clowning on him. It's hilarious. But but stuff like that, it's like, okay, well, why, what, what does that stem from? Like, veneers should realistically be reserved for somebody who has, like, a deformity or some kind of issue with their teeth or jaw or something where they have no other choice and they yeah. have the money to spend on that. I understand that. You know, um, somebody gets a nose job because they broke their nose 20 times or whatever it may be. Cool. But I think there's, and I also don't have anything wrong with people. You want to do Botox or a boob job or, or give veneers? I might give veneers. Who knows? But I'm just saying, like, where does that like root things stem from yeah it's usually social media it's usually media things like that and i think if if it's causing you like negative issues with your mind or body more then i think the best thing you can do is remove some of that stuff like whether i get veneers or not like i still love myself and i still don't mind my teeth at all so yeah. it's not like that big of a deal but i think if it was i probably would avoid information around it or like things that make me look at myself negatively but this AI stuff is kind of that, you know, it started out as like, uh, and I don't agree with this, but it was the idea that AI, artificial intelligent art is going to basically eliminate human artists because I, so that, that app generated 200 photos of me Whoa. in five minutes. Whoa. Yeah. And it takes your face and makes different, like I was a cowboy and I was an astronaut, which just does crazy shit, Whoa. right? So... They're saying, like, why have an artist when you can do this stuff? And, like, some of the first photos I saw were actually from Joe Rogan's Instagram. And they would be, like, knowing him, I mean, half of them were, like, mushrooms. But it was, like, it was like the silhouette of a head. And then there was, like, mushrooms inside of it. And then inside the mushroom, there was another person. And then there was, like, a village. And, like, if you kept looking, there was more to the picture. And, like, shit like that is really, really cool. It's just this insane thing. But it's not, like, a portrait of somebody. Yeah. And so... Number one, I don't think it will remove human artists, but I, I think that in general, AI art is cool. I do, I really do. I think when it creates perfection in somebody, it's a bad thing because it just makes you see your imperfections. There you go, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, I mean, for example, I posted about this uh, like a week or so ago in like the making of TLA, but like diamonds are a really good example. You can get cubic zirconia, a lab made, do you know what that is? Nope. Okay, so cubic, cubic zirconia is, uh, so like if I went to Nordstrom, like Cody five years ago that you remember with the comb over, and I had like shiny diamond earrings. I went to Nordstrom and I paid 50 bucks. I could go to Claire's and pay five bucks, or I could pay 50 bucks for cubic zirconia. Yeah. That's cubic zirconia. Looks real-ish. But it's it's cl- clearly not a diamond, you know. Okay. You know, especially because I got this huge rock on my ear. Like, yeah, you know, I can't afford that. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty years old or whatever it was when I was wearing those. 
Uh, and then there's lab made diamonds, which are really popular. There's a lot of lab made diamonds and they're great. Um, I don't know how to tell the difference between those. And then there's real diamonds. So cubic zirconia have no idea how long that takes to make or whatever. Lab made diamonds take one to three months to generate in a lab. So they take the minerals and all the same stuff that form a diamond in real life. They take those things in a lab setting in like this fucking machine with the glass over it and all that stuff. And they form a diamond mm. at a, like a rapid pace because they take the minerals and the, uh, what is the periodic table? I guess those are all minerals and, um, atoms yeah. and stuff. They make that right. And then a real diamond is formed from nature with those same minerals in the different uh, compounds? Is gases? Metals, gases. Well, there's atoms, gases, minerals, irons. Like, there's all kinds of stuff. I don't know what makes... But, like, basically all the stuff on the periodic table, there's those, like, the compounds and stuff. Yep. But uh, a real diamond takes one to three billion years to form. Wow. Literally. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's what I read. And I was like, there's no fucking way. But basically, I mean, if you think about like the earth and yeah. like the rock, I mean, that's what it is. It's just like this thing forming in the ground from like the natural. Isn't that crazy? Did yeah. you just Google it? Well, I was just wondering like how, I don't know what Google thinks or Google says that the earth's been around 4.5 billion years. Mm -hmm. Everybody has different opinions yeah, on it, but, but, but still, you know, like, but that's the point is like, there's things going on with weather, with soil, with, um, the tectonic plates and yep. hydration, all these things, and it forms these diamonds over time. Now, we've had lab-made diamonds for a really long time, yet if you go to purchase a real diamond, it is still far more expensive than a lab diamond and a cubic zirconia fake-ass diamond. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And so, to me, that is the same thing with art. Like, <clears throat> why is the Mona Lisa still worth, I think it's like $35 million. Literally, I think the uh, Google this. I think... That Mona Lisa painting is worth more than the Declaration of Independence. Wow. 870 million. Whoa. How much is the Declaration of Independence? Uh, it is 10 million. <laughs> so much less. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? You think that would be worth more? It's protected. But like the the point is, is like the the Mona Lisa was made by a human at a time where Making a painting like that was very, very difficult to do, yet damn near impossible, yes. you know? Otherwise, it's not even cool painting at all, in my yeah. opinion. But, like, the point is, is when you have meaning and passion and purpose and, and human interaction and emotion, like, going into something, it just changes it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just different. It's the same reason why AI apps for training and nutrition will never overpower coaches. Like, people always wonder, like, oh, do you worry about that? No, not at all. People want to talk to people. Like, how long have, uh, ro like, robots, uh, basically, like machine answering automation, like, press one, if you, you know, I call and just go, operator, yeah, our, like, doctor, <laughs> pharmacist, Zero. just, I just over and over and over again, because I just, I don't want to talk to this robot. Yeah. It's always going to be that way. We're human. So, I don't think it's going to replace it. I don't. But I do think that, and this is why when I posted it, and we were just laughing and looking at him, I posted all the fucking hilarious ones. Of me because I don't want to like share like super cool like the the pictures of me that look good like it just makes my skin look better I have zero like uh imperfections zits anything I have like a better jawline I have more defined muscles perfect hair bright blue like fucking uh white walker eyes you know that's not real yeah it just makes me look at myself and go damn like my chin's not that nice. <laughs> My skin's not yeah, that nice. Yeah, apparently you have an opinion about your jawline because what what makes it better? Um, I think, I mean, you haven't heard about, like, that's a very, like, stereotypical feature of a man. Like, a, a chiseled jawline. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't give a shit about the jawline. Yeah. But, like, that's like a, when you look into, uh, if you were to look into, like, what makes, it's like, uh, what would be a good one for women? Um, like, long hair. Big boobs, all those, all the things that women talk about or like glamorizing. You see all reality stars and all those things putting out there. Yeah. Now they have boob jobs and Botox and things like that, wrinkles, prevention, all that kind of shit. Chiseled jawline is usually what. And if you like guys on steroids or who, who take testosterone, 
usually have a more chiseled jawline. It's why, like, when women start taking steroids, they'll get, like, a really chiseled jawline. Damn. Because testosterone is a masculine hormone that actually creates more masculine features. Masculine features which are, like, supposedly more attractive to women, which is why, like, people glamorize a chiseled jaw. It's why every, like, Superman has a chiseled jaw and, like, a little, like, butt chin dimple. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, point being is is those had, like, they just made me look perfect. And I was like, that's not reality. Not at all. It's like, I'm going to post all these ones that I'm wearing a Speedo for some reason. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. None of the pictures I uploaded... I think one, I was shirtless, maybe two, but like I'm wearing pants or jeans or the pants or, or shorts in the gym, you know, like I don't know where the speedo stuff came from. That was yeah. weird. And then we see people like, like you said, or like we looked at before the podcast, like people putting this as their profile pictures. Yeah. Or watch it. Watch somebody's like dating profiles, all AI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I mean, like, think about it. That's how it's been with like filters and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, it just makes, that's why like, even when I use uh, presets for, like I have a preset that I use on Instagram or for like the Taylor Duff Apparel stuff for the website, because I want the the color profile to be a certain way, I take off uh, what's called structure and sharpening, which you would know. Mm-hmm. Um, I pull that down because if I have a picture of me like doing a lift and then I like crank up sharpening or structure, it just makes me look more jacked. Yeah. Because it just, it defines right. your muscle, yeah. right? So I try to remove those because I'm like, I don't want this to be unrealistic. I want to use this this preset from a color perspective so that these things match for TLA because we're going for this type of theme or ambiance, right? Yeah. But so I think there's a good way to use this stuff. But I just think that like most of the time it just gets out of hand, you know? Um, Creates negative um, influence. Yeah. Yeah. I only saw a few people that like were m- kind of made fun of it a little bit. Made fun of themselves with it yeah. a bit. Um, like Gerald, Jared Hamilton posted um, his, I don't know if you saw it, and no. he like he just posted a bunch of them. Then he like, I think it's his wife that he quoted because it was a girl's name. And it said, because yeah, I think you have to pay like six bucks to get all these or whatever. It's like oh, a- Oh, you did? I don't think I did. I think I did a free trial. But oh. maybe the trial, like you can buy a package or something. I don't know. But it was like- yeah, you paid six bucks to get clowned on. Yeah. <laughs> and he just posted a bunch of funny ones. Yeah. Mine were, uh, the astronaut ones were weird to me. I don't know why it gave me an astronaut package of like a bunch of photos. So weird. I had a super big head, which was weird to me. Um, Tom Brady. Yeah, that was weird. The The sci-fi ones are trippy, man. Make you look like an alien or a robot and like Damn. cyborg. It's pretty trippy. You have to take a picture of yourself before you do it? Yeah, I just uploaded random pictures that you've taken in the oh, gym, basically. And yeah. all of a sudden, it just started generating all these things. But, yeah. And then, all of course, all the half-naked ones. <laughs> Dude, there was, like, so many of those. It was very weird. I don't know what category that is, but it was just, like, a ton of me half-naked. And half of them don't even look like me. Did you put in the category fitness instructor? No. You, there's no, like, you don't even choose categories. It oh. just gave me random ones. Um, did you read the captions I wrote for them each? Yeah. That was the I funny part to yeah. me. It's like I was yeah, having yeah. fun with it. But um, yeah, if, if you didn't see that, go check it out. It's it's. Hilarious. I definitely scrolled before I listened to the captions. That's what Steven said too. Yeah, that was like, absurd. What the fuck is wrong with the second picture? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I was like, what is he posting? And then I read it and I was yeah. like, whoa, that's weird. It is hilarious. So, I mean, yeah, so like with body dysmorphia, I just think like in general, um, avoid anything that's going to cause potential like idolization of attributes or features of other people, especially other people who have fake attributes applied to them. Um, Again, I don't have anything necessarily against those kind of things unless you are using them in the incorrect way. I see the Kardashians because I think they, I I personally believe that they are using it in the wrong way. I think that they're using it as a way to make women feel that they can only be beautiful if blank. And I think whether – People watch it and say, oh, it doesn't bug me. I just like it's it's just white noise or it's just like dumb TV, mindless TV or whatever. I, I personally believe that everything in your environment slowly soaks into your brain like a fucking sponge. And eventually those things will come out in you. Like whether you want it to or realize it or not, like yeah. it's just important to not surround yourself with those kind of things, people, music, TV, whatever it is that is going to cause harm to how you look at yourself, period. Yeah. So eliminate those things. That's the best tip I can give you because body dysmorphia is all relative, you know, are we, you know, are we talking about weight? Are we talking about shape? Are we talking about what body part? Like it's all relative. 
Um, and most of the time, it, it's you who sees those things more than anybody else. So it's it's more about finding like self acceptance and self love so that you can move past it and not putting any of those fe- one features or things on a pedestal because that's what ultimately like makes you focus more on the um, imperfections of yourself. Yeah, but that's that's human. Yeah, you know what I mean. Man, yeah, I agree. I just I think like you said, it's uh, it's all relative. Mm-hmm. It, I, who 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 to say? You know, one thing is better than the other. Hundred percent. I, I would. T- I'll say this too, and this is this is completely an opinion, um, from a dude. Like that's all this is. There's no like science. It, but you, yeah. But oh. personally, me and Shannon have had conversations like this before. Um, you know, when she was younger, she was in the modeling in, in, like industry, and like that's just a like when you're behind the scenes, of that it's just like a brutal industry. Like the way they treat women is just insane. Uh, most of the time, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's global. I wouldn't know, but I know she didn't have the best experiences with some of it. But like for me, like I always tell her, like I actually prefer you without makeup on. And like to me, the confidence is the sexiest thing. So if you are, if you have imperfections, but you fucking own it and rock it, like that's the sexiest thing. Yeah. Sometimes if you try to like perfect too many things. To me, it just shows your insecurities because now I'm looking at you like, why are you trying to change yourself? Like, you know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It's, I, I've never been the type that likes too much makeup, too much this, too much that. Like, keep it simple, yep. you know, and be confident. And I love it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's move on to the second question. It comes from Lee. Oh, real, real, real quick. Um, read the book, Loving What Is. I'll just throw it out there. Loving What Is. Yeah. Because right. giving my opinions doesn't help as much as like an actual tactical thing. Yeah. Loving What Is by Byron Katie. I'll link it in the show notes. All right, next question is coming from Lee Rose Fit. It says, top things you wish you knew before starting your business. Huh. Um, honestly, I'm trying to think of like when I first started. I don't know. That's so fucking hard, man. Um. It's very cheesy to say I wouldn't change anything, you know? Like, I wouldn't go back and, like, give myself the heads up on anything because I think you're only a successful business owner if you walk through the fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I don't know, like, to me, that's that's the part. One, it's it's how you learn and get better. Two, that's, like, to me, that's that's, like, what proves your ability to be a business owner, you know, like it's, it's very clear. If you look at research, most business owners do not last very long. Like businesses fail rather quickly. I think like more often than not. Yeah. The percentage of businesses that fail within the first one and then five years is extremely high. Mm. And then businesses who make it through one, like their, their like likelihood of succeeding goes up a bunch. And the businesses that make it through five go up a ton too. I'm happy to say that we made it through both of those while growing. So like, I feel really good about that. But to me, the fact that I walked through those difficulties while having to learn how to do it on my own, to me, that's like just proving myself as a business owner. Like I walked through the test, I passed the test, I have the right to be the business owner. So I don't know if there's anything necessarily that I think I wish I could go back and learn or know first. I just, I mean, I hired a lot of coaches, mentors, like I read a lot of books. Like there's just so many things that I, I intentionally dug into before going into it that, um, I felt like I was doing a pretty good job of being proactive with that kind of stuff. So, yeah, man, I should have thought about this one before we start record. I just don't know if there's anything specific. I have a question. Did you ever, I, I know how patient you are now, but like the question is top things you wish you knew before starting your business. Were you ever like, like in a hurry? Oh yeah. Cause uh, one thing you, you, you don't, uh, I would assume, I don't know cause I didn't do it, but I would assume like new business owners like want it to happen. Let's mm-hmm. go, let's go, let's get this, you know, like, but patience and longevity is huge as an entrepreneur. Yeah. One thing, uh, and maybe it's a no, but did you ever like, cause you watched Luca for five years or whatever, Yeah. Or, but you were just, is there, was there ever time like you thought you wanted to go quicker than what it really does take? Yeah. I think, uh, I think I got that out of my system before I went off my own. Yeah. Because I remember getting in arguments with Luca because I was so fucking impatient. And not even just business-wise, but that too. Business, knowledge, my body. Like, I mean, we all trained together. Yeah. I was like, why the fuck are you guys so jacked and I'm not? <laughs> like, I remember having that conversation. Um, 
I, I learned a lot watching that. I learned a lot seeing how long things take um, to grow. So I kind of feel like I was ready. By the time I went on my own, I was like ready for that. Um, and at the same time, like I built such a foundation for years that when I started my business, it actually did grow pretty damn quick. It did. You know what I mean? But I think it's because I held off on doing so. You know, and another good example, of this is TLA. Like, how long have I waited before starting a clothing company? That was my goal before I got into fitness. And, like, I just knew I, I didn't have the confidence to do it back then. And I didn't have the money to go to, like, a what I thought I had to, art school or something to become a fashion designer and shit like that. So I just kind of, like, found myself in the path of fitness, came back to it, failed, put it back on the back burner until I was ready again. So it's a very, like, it's a process. And so I was ready for it again to be patient. Um, I think like one thing I would say is that it's similar to patience, but uh, I wish I would have known not to multitask or not to set multiple goals at once. You know, we talk to clients about this all the time. Like, okay, you want to build muscle and burn fat. I get it. Some people can recomp other people. You got to just pick a goal. Like we can't have like, Hey, I want to like, I want to do a marathon and I want to get ready for a photo shoot and I want to like put on some muscle mass too. Like you got too much shit going on, like focus on one thing. So I've, I've ran into issues over time where that has came up. Um, and honestly, the worst one has been recently with like Taylor coach method, TLA and Taylor trainer. Yeah. And obviously we ran into a couple big hiccups with Taylor trainer because I'm working with app developers and things didn't, always pan out the way I expected them to, um, lack of communication so on and so forth. But trying to do all these things at once was just probably not the smartest idea, you know, which is why like TLA took precedence of like, okay, well, this is the most important thing, um, after Taylor Coachmith, you know? Um, but it, it is patience because you have to know like, okay. And I talk to people about this all the time. They have all entrepreneurs have all these ideas. It's like, okay, well, like what can you write down, put it to the side and come back to later on? Cause that idea will still be there as long as you still have the ambition for it, you know, like even if you're about to make a big purchase, sleep on it for a couple nights. If you still really fucking want that thing, go invest in it, you know, like same thing. So I think patience with that, not multitasking, focusing on one thing, um, stuff like that is really, really important. It always has been. Um, but like, I guess more than anything, the thing I wish I would have known before starting was just, uh, maybe more of, a more of, the difficulties that would arise and I guess like, uh, I don't know the responsibilities, the, like, cause I even think about like, I remember telling Shannon, like how like things were going to pan out with like my involvement as a business owner. I was like, you know, we do this and then it's like, kick my feet up. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's not the case at all, you know? And, and at a certain point, I realized one, that's not who I am because as soon as I can kick my feet up with one thing, I'm on to the next thing because yeah. I just have to build. But then two, like, that's just not how business works. Like there is no, you know, build it, delegate, and then just get just sit back and collect a check. Like that's just not how fucking business works, you know? And I think there is, there's value in the saying, like, don't work in the business, work on the business, but there's always going to be a part of you that has to work in the business a little bit, no matter what, until you literally sell the company, yeah. if that's your goal. Because otherwise, I mean, I don't know. You have like, I, in my opinion, the businesses that end up failing is the businesses that the the owner walks away too quick or like becomes unpresent. You know, and that's a big mistake in my yeah. opinion. Because nobody can do it like you did it or you started or built it. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the people, usually, unless you're uh, like a mass, a multi million dollar tech company or something like that, dude. Um, even that. I hate to say it like Yahoo, dude. Mm -hmm. Like Yahoo was 15, 20 years ago. It was huge. And yeah. like Yahoo.com was the last time you ever went to Yahoo.com. When I got to check my fucking spam email. Oh. Yeah. I still have a Yahoo email. But wow. <laughs> I go there to, I have my, one of my PayPal's, is my personal PayPal is associated with it. Okay. So I will go there just for that. Yeah. Or I've if I want to like sign up for a discount on a company, I'll use that email. I don't even know what the Yahoo.com like logo is. Yeah, it's Unless purple it's purple, thing, yeah. a purple. Oh, what yeah. happened to them though? Did their owner leave? That's a great question. Oh, okay. I have no idea. I thought you were gonna say that. I like think Google owner. and Google took over. Yeah, Bing's gone. Yeah, like I think Google just fucking crushed. Yeah, that's true. Honestly. Yeah, but I, I do think like because I even think about our team. It's like if I was, I was like, okay, we're good now. We got system, everything cool. I'm just gonna, you gotta do your thing. 
I, I can't say what would happen, but I just, one, I don't feel good about that. But two, I like to think that there's a level of involvement of like from me that allows the team to stick together and be who they are because we're so tight knit. So I like to me, to an extent until again, like I think it is a little bit different. Like I'm sure Eli doesn't have to talk to the 27,000th employee. Like there's employees that have never talked Who's to Eli, Elon, Eli Musk. Oh, Elon. Yeah. Elon okay. Musk. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shows how much I watch the news. Yeah. It's okay. Um, but like he probably doesn't talk to the fucking, yeah, some of his employees. They don't know him because it's such a massive company. Yeah. And now there's things in place and AI that just does the shit. He's just kind of innovates. But like for small businesses, I think the owner is kind of the glue to an extent. You know, like a lot of the people on the team joined our team because of me, because they resonate with me. They connected with me. They worked with me. Yeah. We built a bond. They came on the team. And Set now an we're, example. yeah, it's like that keeps us tight knit. I think if, if you remove that, that's a problem. And I think there's a lot of companies who do that. A lot of small businesses who like step away too much and shit falls apart. Even if it's slowly, it does happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. That's why even like, even for us, like as we grow, obviously I can't do everything, but I have Brandon on our staff to help me, you know, with the team, the company, all that stuff. It doesn't make me gone. Yeah. It just means I can actually spend more time connecting, <laughs> you know, personally with the team. And that's the whole point. Totally. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the, for the most part, like, I just wish, I wish I would have been prepared for some of uh, what was required or maybe uh, the, the, the level of responsibility being a business owner and entrepreneur would require more than anything so that I could better prepare my personal life for it, yeah. honestly. Otherwise, I don't think anything, uh, I can't think of anything that I would, like, go back and tell myself. Yeah. You know? Good. All right, let's move on to the next question. We got one coming from Amanda Sawanbay. Uh, so, so, so Dude, I, tor I butchered that. Amanda so, Sawanbay. How do you accomplish body re recomp while eating at maintenance calories? So how do we lose fat, build muscle while eating at maintenance, basically? Yeah. Um, so there's there's criteria that has to be, kind of be covered here first because there's only certain people who can actually recomp. You know, and, and actually I shouldn't say that because now research is actually showing that anybody can. I think it's just the degree of difficulty um, or specificity, both really, that is required to accomplish recomp kind of depends on the individual. So there's there's the newbie, obviously, right? So um, somebody comes in and they are new to lifting and they want to recomp their skinny fat. Let's say they're like, I want to lose fat and build muscle. And that's not even a good example actually, because being skinny fat to me is like, if you're skinny fat, then you essentially, you're not really overweight. Usually skinny fat is somebody who their body fat percentage is pretty high, but only because they don't have much muscle tissue. Mm. So they usually come and they're like, I want to lose some weight. So like, you don't need to lose weight. Cause you're not overweight on any scale. Like you're not overweight for your size. If you built a good amount of muscle, your body fat percentage would drop, right? So that's the other thing here is like, okay, if we're going to accomplish a recomp, what kind of recomp do we really need? Because technically if somebody steps in as quote unquote skinny fat and their main goal is to look leaner, but we could accomplish that by building muscle, then we don't really need to do like a formal recomp. We just need to focus on building muscle and you will look as if you recomped and technically you would because your body fat percentage would drop, but you didn't lose any body fat. You just built muscle, and that changed the percentage of body fat on your body per your total weight. Um, so I guess first you got to answer the question, do you actually need to recomp, or do you need to lose fat to look like you recomped or build muscle to look like you recomped? Because there's also some people that have a decent amount of muscle, like powerlifters who are like pretty – pretty like dense and have a lot of muscle, but they just ate like shit for a long time and they're overweight and we put them on a cut and they lose a bunch of fat and they look like they built a bunch of muscle and recomped. No, you just couldn't see their muscle because they were inflamed and had a layer of fat hiding it. So we do a fat loss phase. They lose fat. They look like they recomped. So are you somebody who really needs to, or are you somebody who just needs to do one or the other to appear as if you recomped? Um, then we go into the people who actually can and should recomp. 
maybe somebody who is new to lifting. If you're new to lifting, never diet or anything like that, you would go into it probably at maintenance as well. And you start lifting weights. Um, it's going to be very similar to the skinny fat person where they're mainly going to build muscle, but they probably actually will lose some pounds of body fat. So a lot of times their weight doesn't really change. Uh, and they end up looking leaner while more muscular. That is a literal recomp. And research proves like you can absolutely burn fat and build muscle uh, somewhat simultaneously if you're a new a newbie. And usually I would do that at maintenance. Um, the next category would be somebody who is obese and they can recomp too. How we're going to approach this is totally different. So if you're going to recomp at maintenance, you could do that as a newbie. So for that person, you're going to lift, let's say, four days a week, do a couple of days of active recovery, cardio, so maybe a weight vest walk, pull the sled, whatever it is. You're, you're lifting a good amount. You're eating at maintenance on a high-protein, high-carb diet. So say about a gram per pound of body weight and protein, then you're consuming a decent amount of carbs, um, but you're going to base your carbs on your fat intake. So you would go about a gram per pound of protein, and I would say anywhere between at least 0.3 grams per pound, but upwards of 0.5 grams per pound of fat. It's kind of a range. You'll base that on flexibility, your current diet, and how much carbs you feel like you need because you're going to fill the rest of your calories with carbs. How many calories should you eat? Kind of depends. Um, there's a lot of formulas out there. Um, we have one on our website that you can go use. Um, we can link that in the, the description of this podcast. It's just a BMR calculator. It'll give you your maintenance caloric intake. So if you enter your, your information in there, you'll see how much you should consume. So let's say it's 2,500 calories and then you eat your body weight and protein. You eat, uh, let's do the math and says it's 50, 60 grams of fat, 60 grams of fat plus your protein body weight. And then you have blank calories left over. Divide that by four. That gives you how many carbs you should eat. So you set your protein, set your carbs, take the rest of your calories left, divide it by four. That gives you how many, or sorry, the rest of your calories left, divide that by four. It'll give you how many carbs you should be eating. Um, and that's going to be a, a moderate, moderately high protein carb diet, moderately low fat diet, pretty balanced, but that's generally what you want to do. Um, if you're a newbie, you don't need to do a bunch of extra specific stuff, but in general, get enough sleep, take some creatine, you'll be fine. If you're obese, you can also recomp. And there's a lot of research to prove this because they have so much stored energy in reserves, which is just body fat that you can provide yourself with a lot of energy from stored body fat. Therefore, you can train, have energy to function throughout the day, so on and so forth, just through that. So you could actually build muscle in a deficit much easier. So for the person who's overweight like that, I would say you're going to want to consume about a gram to 1.2 grams per pound of your goal weight body weight. So if you're 250 pounds, but you think you like on average for your height, you should be 180 pounds, then you're going to go 180 times one or 1.1 or 1.2. So it's a relatively high protein diet, but you're not going to do your total body weight because you know, you're going to be losing 50 to 70 pounds soon. Um, and then the same exact principles as the other one, moderately high carb, moderately low fat. Um, some people would argue that when you're overweight, your insulin sensitivity is poor and therefore you shouldn't have a moderate or high carb diet. You should have a high fat diet. But the reality is, is carbs are still going to preferentially be used as fuel and they're not going to be as easily stored as fat. And if you already have fat stored, you don't want to consume more and more because you already have enough to support your hormones and support your energy needs and demands from fat tissue. You don't need to take in a ton. So get enough to be flexible with the diet. Spend the majority of your calories on protein and carbs. It's going to be more thermic. It's going to give you energy to actually train. Um, and most research shows that as long as you're training and building muscle and eating like appropriate amount of fibers, stuff like that, your insulin sensitivity is going to be fine. Um, strength training, cardio, and losing weight or being in a calorie deficit in general um, are the biggest factors influencing insulin sensitivity levels. So even if you are overweight and let's say you're not the most insulin sensitive person, you're going to become more insulin sensitive by being in a calorie deficit in strength training, plain and simple. And they, they show this with even like linemen on football teams who have perfectly fine health markers and insulin sensitivity, but they intentionally eat plenty of food because they need to be big yeah, as hell <laughs> to stop people from moving <clears throat> through them, you know? Um, so that's how you'd approach it if you were obese. And then for anybody else that leaves us with, um, obviously the person who is bedridden, so let's say somebody has an injury um, or they're really sick or anything and they can't train for three months and they lose muscle tissue. Same exact process as being a newbie. Eat at maintenance, start training again. You're going to rebuild muscle tissue. It's called muscle memory. It's just rebuilding tissue and replenishing old tissue. So it's going to seem like you build muscle rapidly. Really, you're just refilling muscle tissue with glycogen and water and hydration. And, and uh, it, it, that's literally the process of muscle memory. Um, and then 
you'll start building new tissue because you, you're very sensitive to training, but um, you don't need to do anything crazy. The, the part where it gets specific is if this person asking the question is a, a more advanced lifter. So they're coming in, they're like, I've been lifting for five years, let's say, and I still want to recomp because I don't want to do a bulk. I don't want to do anything. I think the best way to go about this, there's, there's two answers. One, it's like, I understand not wanting to do a bulk, but we have to set realistic expectations. So if your goal is to dramatically change your physique, then you are just going to have to suck it up and go through like lean bulking and get in cutting phases. Like you don't have to dirty bulk and get fat, but there's a reason bodybuilders do this because you're going to be more productive building muscle and you're going to be more productive cutting fat if you just focus on one thing. Um, if your expectation is not to get a crazy transformation, you don't want to dramatically change your physique, but you just want like a snail pace process to slowly but surely change in your physique over time, then what I would suggest you do is go to maintenance, like this person asked. Um, you are going to want to be more specific with sp certain things, supplements, recovery, training, um, and you just have to be more diligent. So in most research, what they will show is like, you can do this if one, you start out at a pretty lean place. You don't want to be shredded, but you got to be pretty lean. So you might want to cut first, get to a really good, like the leanest you can be on a normal basis. So you're not shredded by any means, but you're on the leaner side of your like body weight set point settling range. Then from there, you're going to eat at maintenance, predominantly high carb, high protein, low fat, but not too low fat, obviously safely low. Um, most research, which this is debatable, but most research on like actual recomp, um, Chris Bearcat does a lot of it. Honestly, that's been a big point of research for him publishing in the industry. He's a good friend of mine. And what most of them say is actually going like above and beyond protein. So they actually have like above your body weight and protein. Some people will argue that there's also some arguments on the idea that a lot of the effects with um, the thermic or the uh, satiation, especially the satiety rate of, of a high protein diet actually is temporary. So if you do a high protein diet in order to increase your satiety during a deficit even, mm. it's very temporary. So like at first it does fill you up, but then once your body gets used to it, it doesn't do it anymore. Um, the only caveat I would say in the argument I would have is, is they don't have research on like, they, they assume this because all of the research is, is in a short, like on protein for satiety is on a short basis. So they're just, to me, when I heard the review, I was like, well, you're just saying you can't prove it continues to last because the studies only last eight to 10 days, you know, when it's like, you also can't prove that it doesn't continue. Yeah. So who knows? But point being is most of the recomp studies do show higher than normal protein levels. Um, and then again, high carbs. Um, training is going to be probably pretty high volume. You're going to be wanting to train with a good amount of volume to really push hypertrophy. Your focus should be hypertrophy. Um, that'll depend on where you're at with your training experience. I've, as I've talked about, I think it's like a, a, a U-shape, a bell-shaped curved, um, where like when you first start, you should have low volume because you need to accumulate an ability to handle it and get the skill of lifting. Then as you get more intermediate, you kind of go up to this point where you can handle more volume and you probably need more volume in order to grow. And then you get so advanced that your weights start getting heavier and you start getting more skilled at being able to fire and exhaust your muscle. Therefore, it's more taxing on your nervous system and you probably got to lower your volume again. Um, because your intensity is way up. So it yeah. depends on where you're at. But not, nonetheless, you got to have uh, either intense or high volume training program. You're probably going to want to double down on supplements. Like this is where supplements aren't going to do a ton, but they can help a little bit. So getting creatine monohydrate for sure, 5 to 10 grams a day. Um, 10 grams is more than enough. Some people like to, to err on the side of extra though. Um, but 5 grams is all you really need per day. I would probably go with like highly branched cyclodestrin and essential amino acids sodium fructose kind of the blend that's what first form has it's probably the best intra-workout product there is um i think nobody else does it with fructose electrolytes highly branched addiction and essential amino acids still don't know why because a lot of us mix those together like why isn't somebody making it but first form did yeah. thankfully uh so firstform.com slash tailored coaching method you can check that out there so creatine the uh intra-workout from them obviously having protein on hand is going to be a good idea but then just the simple stuff like getting your your reds and greens drinks in your multivitamin your fish oil like the basics just to make sure your joints everything is healthy your energy is good all that um and then you're probably going to want to get plenty of sleep seven to nine hours of sleep you know anywhere in that range and uh in time I would probably say some kind of aerobic conditioning too because you're going to want your energy systems to be good so you can be burning fat on some days, building muscle on some days, but also just improving your ability to recover and such. Um, 
but not doing too much cardio. See, this is where it's like, it's really a balancing act. It's like, you need to have enough volume, but not too much and push it really hard, but not too much. You got to have some supplements, but you don't need all of them. You got to get enough sleep. Um, you got to do some cardio, but don't overdo it. Like it's, it really just gets super specific. And if you look at the research on advanced individuals who are recomping, they're usually at maintenance and it's just really nitty gritty. They're yeah. being very precise with their macros, with their meals, with their nutrient timing, with their sleep. Like you kind of just got to be meticulous. So it's another reason why it's probably not always the best route for people because it's kind of just, it's just very, very meticulous. Um, but that is a very long-winded answer on how to recomp. Yep. And so you can do it. Yep. Um, and the only thing I would add to that is if you've been doing the same fucking training pro- style for a long time, that would be the only other thing I would change up trying to recomp is like dramatically change your training. Like if you've just been doing bodybuilding on machines in the 10 to 15 rep range, Go do some power building where you're doing some free weights and you're lifting heavy loads for three to five reps. Do some high rep. Like, do something dramatically different and it'll shock your body a bit and you will have that novelty effect. You'll be really fucking sore, but it will dramatically change the result you see. Boom. So, cool. Do you want more? Yeah, we got one more. Uh, it's coming from Heather AAJ. It says, what are your best tips for legging triceps? I'm going to give my tricep example, but I think you could probably do this with any body part that you have lacking. So there's three main things that I think are very important here. Um, Kind of four, but like two of them I would put together. So the first one is a mind-muscle connection. I think that sometimes people we'll jump straight to point number two, which is the frequency and volume aspect, which is why I said it's kind of like two things, but it's one thing. And the problem is if you just add volume or increase frequency, but you're doing the movements poorly or you're not firing the muscle, like if I'm doing, if I'm trying to do triceps and I'm, I'm doing triceps, but all I feel is like my fucking elbows and forearms hurting, I'm shrugging or whatever it may be. Why would I add volume to that? Why would I do more incorrect reps? I just bang on my joints. It doesn't make any sense. So, um, you got you to gotta first master the skill. So go lighter. Find the right exercises for you where you really feel a really good connection. A good example of this is they did a study, and I'll explain why because this is the third point, but they did a study that showed uh, tricep overhead extensions are more uh, beneficial. They're going to lead to more growth than tricep pushdowns. I still do more tricep pushdowns because I just feel the tricep pushdowns more. Right. And that could just be uh, a mindset thing, which makes me enjoy them more. Great. It could actually be a, a lack of uh, like my lats are tight. So like a lack of shoulder mobility. So if I can't get overhead into the right position, like I'm in a weird position, I don't fully fire the muscle like I want to, whatever it may be, I still had to find the right exercises for me. Right. And then another example of that is, is most people love, and I actually program this more than the other, but like overhead cable extensions versus like dumbbell or barbell skull crushers. Yeah. I do more skull crushers because I feel it more. And it's most likely because I'm laying on a bench, so I don't have to, like, get my arms overhead. The dumbbell kind of just pulls them overhead, right? So I don't like it because you got to, like, really focus on the line of force more because the cable is, is just a constant tension where the dumbbell is kind of floating around. Um, and the injury risk is higher. You can drop a dumbbell on your fucking head. It's not a good thing, so I don't want a client to do that. But um, nonetheless, I know from experience that I work better with pushdowns and I work better with dumbbell skull crushes than overhead extension with a, a cable. So finding what works for you and then learning the skill behind firing the muscle properly, going through the range of motion in a full range of motion, like doing like focus on like training is a skill, focus on the skill of exercise first, because sometimes people can't develop their triceps or whatever body part insert there because they don't know how to train that body part properly. It's not because you're choosing the wrong exercises in your program or you're doing the wrong amount of volume in your program. It's because you're not doing the exercise properly. You, it looks good on paper. You have everything right on paper, but when you go to the gym, it's not right. Yeah. Um, have somebody help you, fire, hire a coach, get a consultation, watch a ton of YouTube videos. There's a million ways to figure out a better form, right? But do that. Next would be the volume and frequency thing. Typically, if you've done point one well, you, you master the form, you're good there, you're firing the muscle properly, you're not feeling it in other areas or joints or anything like that, add volume. But do so through increased frequency. The reason I suggest that is because the triceps especially are a small body part. I would, uh, I would suggest this with biceps. I would suggest this with calves. I would suggest this with um, delts. Because they're a small body part, you can only overload them so much in a given session. Therefore, the recovery demands aren't that crazy. 
you do a heavy bench workout, you're more likely to be sore for days than you would a hard delt workout because I'm doing lateral raises with 25 to 30 pounds versus bench pressing with 200 to 300 pounds. It's just different. There's more load on the muscle, even if I do less volume. So you're going to recover faster. Therefore, you can do it more frequently. Um, And you're also going to fatigue quicker. So even though I might not be able to continually do the bench press at a heavy weight, I can move from the bench press to a dumbbell press, to a fly, to a push-up. So I can do more total sets of chest because it's a bigger muscle and I can change the angle. I can exhaust it in more ways, so on and so forth. I can't really do that with a dog. I can only do so much in a single session. So for, for because it's a smaller uh, muscle group, it makes sense to have higher frequency. Regardless, you have to increase the volume, but you do so by increasing how many times per week you do it. So instead of training your, your triceps once or twice a week, you train them twice or three times a week. And you do so three to four sets per time. Um, the, the last point of this, of how to bring up a lagging body part at all, but especially a smaller one like this, aesthetically, is going to, when you program it with more volume and frequency, you have to change the joint angle in which you do it each time and place more load on the stretch-based portion of the movement. Um, we're going to have Brandon Roberts to talk about this because he dug into the research heavily, but we have a, po- a blog on the podcast, <laughs> on the on the website, um, called um, Does Stretching Cause Muscle Growth or something like that? Does Stretching Cause Hypertrophy? I don't know. We'll link it in the, the, the podcast show notes, but it goes over the study and it talks about uh, a lot of this, but essentially like cliff note version, they they basically discovered that the stretch portion of an exercise is the most hypertrophic, which some people believed was in the first place. Um, it's also why you wonder why like, okay, you get like a gnarly pump on lang- lying leg curls, but nobody will argue that stiff leg deadlifts are just the king of hamstring builders. Why is that? Well, when you're doing a stiff leg deadlift, you have a heavy load and you're just going into a big ass hamstring stretch, right? And we know there's muscle damage during... Um, any type of stretching, like overload, uh, but especially like stretching under load. So they've seen this in research. And then what they did is they took, so at first they, they did a lot of research on partial reps versus full range of motion reps and full range of motion reps always wins. But the problem with a lot of the research and a lot of how most people do it is they do the incorrect portion of the lift as a partial. So for example, full squats or full leg presses versus half squats or half leg presses. Everybody who does partial rep leg presses, we all know the the classic example when somebody stacks up the leg press and they do like these little tiny leg press movements. Well, if that's a partial, you're not getting even close to the stretch of the movement because you're just doing the top half, right? Versus, uh, for example, if you were to do like a seated leg curl um, or an RDL or a chest fly or anything like that and you did the partial on the bottom where you're in a stretch position and you didn't like do the full concentric, they actually did research on that form of partial, so partial under the stretch proportion versus a full range of motion, and the partial rep beat the full range of motion, which is surprising because I would have thought, well, yeah, but the full range of motion has the stretch in it as well. But if you're only doing the stretch portion of the movement, you can do more reps in that stretch phase, right? Now, there's still advantages to doing the full range of motion for many reasons, so I don't encourage everything you do now is just stretch it's just partials and so there's also not enough research to say that you should do that yet um but we know that the reason full range motion always wins is probably actually because when you go into the bottom of a rep you're in that stretch phase movement so the bottom of a squat your quads are the most stretched the bottom of a deadlift rdl most stretched the 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 end of the bottom of a chest fly or a bench press or anything you're always in that stretch based movement but you got to be careful with this because if you're doing a row usually your partial will be at the top but you would actually want it to be at the bottom when you're in a stress position, right? So point being is, is like you're going to essentially train this muscle two to three times a week um, because you're increasing the volume by increasing frequency of which you hit that muscle. You're going to change the joint angle you hit it at. So for the triceps, you would do one day you're doing pushdowns. So you're in a neutral or a flex because you can roll forward too. But neutral, um, actually, no, you would be in a neutral or extended, but a neutral shoulder position, right? And this is where I'm just doing a push down right in front of me. The next day I'm doing a flexed shoulder position. So now my, my shoulders are coming forward. My elbows are in front of me. I'm doing a skull crusher or an overhead extension. That's going to be the most hypertrophic. That's probably the day you should do partials or hold the pause at the bottom because you're going to get the biggest stretch on your triceps. Mm-hmm. And then the third day you would do a shoulder extension. So this is where I'm doing a push down. And then I actually pull my shoulders behind my back and I add like a little bit extra contraction by bringing the cables. And you're going to have to do two separate handles uh, for something like this. Um, where you bring your hands behind your back into hyperextension because your your triceps actually do help your shoulders extend back. 
it's partially why your triceps are somewhat involved in a lat pull down, which surprises a lot of people too. But point being is now I'm hitting it from different joint angles. I'm, I'm emphasizing the stretch on whatever I'm doing. So if it's a bicep curl, the bottom of the curl, if it's a tricep extension overhead, big stretch, if it's a chest fly, that, that extended position at the end where you're stretching your pec, any muscle. This is also why uh, a lot of my clients who have long femurs, I will have them do barbell hip thrust. If they want bigger glutes, I'll have them do barbell hip thrust with their feet elevated on plates. Because now when they go into the bottom, their glutes actually stretch. But beforehand, their legs were too long. When the plates hit the ground, their glutes aren't really stretched at all. I'd rather lighten the load, bring their feet up, and now their, their hips dip way down and we get a big stretch on the glutes. And we still get that same contraction at the top. So changing the joint angle throughout the week to uh, mainly emphasize that stretch portion of every rep you do and the range of motion. Um, but in general, also varying that joint angle has been shown to improve hypertrophy too. So you do those three things, you'll break through a plateau. Break through any lagging triceps. Yep, or muscle group, period, really. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, we have any announcements? Um, no, not besides go check out TLA. So if you haven't followed us on Instagram, please do so. Um, again, this is a really exciting project for us, and we just want all the support we can get. Uh, at Tailored Life Apparel. The the website is at tailoredlifeapparel.co, not com, dot co. Um, go check those out. Go, go sign up for the info on the latest drop. And if you, there's anything available, cop it before it's not, uh, cause everything we had on this first drop is not coming back. And, uh, we're not going to do another drop probably for another month or two at least. So, um, cause they're going to be probably quarterly to begin with, but we don't know for sure. So more updates on that, especially if you sign up for the email list, but otherwise leave us a rating review. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you next time.